98K News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Julian Coyle. The top stories, a minibus driver is killed and seven people are injured after a collision in Sha Tin. President Biden tells the G7 that America's back at the table and warns that democracies are in a contest with autocracies. While the G7 issues a communique condemning China's human rights abuses and urging it to uphold its treaty obligations. A minibus driver has died and six bus passengers were injured after a serious accident involving the vehicle and a private car in Sha Tin. The driver of the car was injured and has been arrested. Damien Pang reports. Police received a call about the collision at the intersection of Taichung Road and Sha Tinwai Road next to the Xingmen River shortly before 3 this afternoon. A green minibus, which was understood to be Route 803M, was left on its side after the crash. Thick pools of blood could be seen underneath the vehicle and near it. A witness said a number of people nearby helped with the rescue, but they were unable to free the driver, who was trapped in the debris. He said when firemen arrived a few minutes later to smash the windscreen and set the driver free, it did not appear to be moving. Those injured were taken to the nearby Prince of Wales Hospital and the Alice Homuling Nethersol Hospital in Taipo for treatment. The Democratic Party, which has no representative joining the Legislative Council discussion about bus franchises this coming Friday, has called on the government to stop its piecemeal approach to saving worsening yet ever more costly bus services. They're suggesting a switch to a publicly owned but privately run model. Democratic Party Chairman Lo Kinhei says it would allow bus operators to focus more on the quality of their services rather than worrying about their survival due to the huge competition from expanding railway lines. The risk that the bus company face will be much less. We try to limit those factors that will affect the operation of the bus company. Uh, for example, uh, their purchasing of the bus or their, their factories, uh, the land they, they're using. And we can consider that as a stabilizing factors for the bus company to keep on running their businesses and to keep on providing services to the Hong Kong people. Hong Kong recorded no new cases of COVID-19 today. It's the sixth day in a row with zero local cases. However, the Centre for Health Protection has still been unable to trace the source of a local case with a mutant strain of COVID found a week ago. The G7 has ended with the US President Joe Biden stressing that the United States has re-engaged in world diplomacy as he rallied allies against China and Russia. He said China had to start acting more responsibly in terms of international norms on human rights and transparency. Mr Biden also said a new G7 global infrastructure fund would be much more equitable than China's Belt and Road Initiative. Separately, the G7 slammed China over abuses against minorities, including forced labor in Xinjiang and its treatment of pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong. The G7 summit in southwest England has ended with a promise to deliver millions of coronavirus vaccinations to poorer countries over the coming year. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the aim was to have everyone vaccinated by the end of next year. I'm very pleased to announce that this weekend leaders have pledged over one billion doses, either directly or through funding to COVAX, to the world's poorest countries, which is another, another big step towards vaccinating the world. A row between Britain and the European Union over post-Brexit trade arrangements in Northern Ireland continues to fester. Britain's Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has accused EU representatives of treating Northern Ireland as if it were a separate country to the rest of the United Kingdom.
We wouldn't dream of talking of northern region of Italy, the German Lander, uh, or other uh, provinces, particularly ones where there are, uh, there are these nationalist pressures. We wouldn't dream of talking about those areas in those terms. Francis dismissed British press reports that President Macron had implied that Northern Ireland was a separate country during a private exchange with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The EU has urged Britain to stick to measures that it agreed in the Brexit Treaty and not unilaterally extend exemption periods in Northern Ireland. The government's IT office says staff working for a contractor have accidentally leaked hundreds of emails from people inquiring about the Leave Home Safe app. Apple Daily reported that more than 400 emails were affected. The Office of the Chief Information Officer says it's launched an investigation and apologised to those affected. It says the leakage didn't involve the content of the inquiries. The office said it's issued a warning letter to the contractor and asked the relevant staff to be transferred to another role. You are listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eight, eleven. A gas explosion in Hubei province has killed at least 12 people and injured more than 130, some of them critically. The blast happened early this morning in the city of Shurian. It caused a food market full of people to collapse, shattering windows in nearby buildings. Hospitals in Shurian are asking residents to donate blood. The Israeli parliament will today hold a confidence vote on a new governing coalition that has been painstakingly put together by the centrist leader, Yair Lapid. The BBC's Yoland Knell is in Jerusalem. Unless there's an unexpected last-minute development, Israeli politics looks set to begin a new chapter. United by little more than a desire to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu, the unlikely coalition spans the political spectrum from the left to the far right, including a party from the country's Arab minority. When it's sworn in, Mr Netanyahu will leave office after a total of 15 years in power, a record which made him Israel's longest-serving leader and one of the longest currently serving democratic leaders in the world. He remains on trial for corruption, which he denies. The prospective new government has said it plans to introduce term limits for prime ministers and to focus on social and economic policies. Thousands of demonstrators have filled one of Madrid's main squares to demand the resignation of Spain's socialist-led government over its plans to pardon a number of jail Catalan separatist leaders. The BBC's Guy Hedgeco reports from the Spanish capital. The Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, is expected to order the release of the nine Catalan leaders from prison in the next few weeks. He says the move would calm tensions in Catalonia with a view to resolving the territorial crisis. But opposition leaders who were present at today's protest have attacked the plan, arguing the prisoners should serve their full sentences, which range from nine to 13 years. Polls show that most Spaniards oppose the pardons, as do some senior figures in Mr Sanchez's own socialist party. Switzerland has rejected proposals that would have made it the first European country to ban synthetic pesticides. Voters heeded the government's advice and rejected the two publicly proposed initiatives that would have changed the landscape for Swiss farming. One of the proposals would have ended the use of artificial pesticides within 10 years. Farmers argued against it, saying it would mean job losses, higher food prices and possibly even food insecurity. 
to sport now and in the French Open men's singles final Novak Djokovic trails Greece's Stefanos Tsitsipas 7-6-8-6 in a battle in which history is on the line if he wins Serbia's Djokovic would be the first man in 52 years to win all four Grand Slam titles twice Barbara Kechakova became the first player since Mary Pierce in 2000 to win the singles and doubles titles at the French Open Kechakova teamed with fellow Czech Katarina Sienyakova to defeat Bethany Matik-Sands and Inga Swiatek 6-4, 6-2 for their third Grand Slam title together. Yesterday, Kechakova became the first Czech woman since Hanna Mandlikova in 1981 to lift the singles title. More sport fellow footballers have been sending messages of support to the Danish midfielder Christian Eriksen, who collapsed during the Euro 2020 match against Finland last night. The 29-year-old is in a stable condition in hospital. Dr Sam Mohidden is a London cardiologist who treated the footballer Fabrice Mwamba, who also collapsed on the pitch nearly 10 years ago. The team on the pitch clearly reacted promptly and very efficiently and delivered immediate care effectively, successfully. And, and to hear that Christian Eriksen is sitting awake chatting is tremendous news. That, that idea of really prompt recognition and treatment is essential. Your minutes, seconds matter here, really. You have to give supportive therapy and you have to get the heart rhythm back if it indeed was a cardiac arrest that affected Christian, which seems extremely likely. His teammate at Inter Milan, Romulo Lukaku, dedicated his opening goal to Eriksson in Belgium's 3-0 victory over Russia. Sun Heung Min also sent a message of support to Eriksson, his former teammate, after scoring the decisive goal in South Korea's 2-1 victory over Lebanon in a World Cup qualifier. See, South Korea skipper held up his hands to show the number 23, Ericsson's shirt number at Tottenham Hotspur. And to end the news, our top story once again, a minibus driver is killed and seven people are injured after a collision in Sha Tin. The news from RTHK. Thanks a lot. We'll have uh, more headlines for you coming up at uh, midnight. Ten minutes after 11, hour two of Sunday late. This is Neo. It's your eyes. I swear they look at me and I hear melodies. Sweetest melodies. Mix it with the smile, babe. They come together for the perfect harmony. Prettiest song they'll never be.
with another love song right here on Radio 3, 14 minutes after 11. Heading straight back to our featured album. Uh, it is uh, the intriguing Swedish band Little Dragon. I feel good. My life is about to explode. 